Let me pray for us one more time. God, we, we come before you as your people, as this community, just with open hearts. We come from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of places of faith. We come before you just bringing our true self to you. We bring all that we are, all that we have, both the things below the surface and on top of the surface. And if you would right now, just take a moment of silence just to quiet your heart. And uh, if you're someone who prays, whether you're here full of faith or full of doubt, would you just ask God to speak to you today? Well, God, we love you, and we thank you for this time together as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, uh, today uh, we're pausing from our Ephesians series, and we do this so often as a community where we, what we call a prophetic pause. It's a pause for us just to think through or pray through anything that is on our hearts as leaders or uh, anything that we need to address as a church or time just that feel like, what is God saying to Missio Day? Uh, and it's interesting because it's right before Lent, heading into a new series. We'll also, during Lent, we'll go into a series called uh, hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst, and it's a it's a whole series built around food in the Bible, uh, thirst in the Bible. Um, what does it mean for us to hunger for God, to be hungry? Because God, uh, one thing I've learned is uh, God comes where He's wanted, right? God comes where He's wanted. He doesn't come where He's unwanted. Um, and in this message today, I want to look through the story of Joshua. It's a familiar one. I've taught on it before and the past, but it just keeps coming to mind as a moment that marks our community. And a lot of times when I'm speaking to you as a pastor, I'm, I'm usually thinking of you as an individual. I'm thinking through my own life as an individual, and of course, collectively. But first, like, how do I really meet you where you are uh, and think about God's heart for you? Today, I want to do something a little different. So this sermon's a little different than usual. I want to really think through what does God want to say to us as a community more so. Um, so if you're new with here, new here, it'll, it'll feel a little like, like maybe not directed to you directly because uh, you're a guest and we, we welcome you here. Um, but in this passage, uh, a lot of my thoughts here, they're kind of ordered. They may come across very scattered, but I really want to kind of speak to like what I'm seeing and sensing. And the thing I, I was drawn to this passage is this is a moment where Joshua is leading God's people. He's the new Moses. He's the young Moses taking over the leadership of of Israel. They're in a similar bind as they once were before, whereas before Moses was under the Pharaoh and under slavery. Now they are being uh, encamped and entrapped by enemies. And, Moses, and Joshua is leading these people similar to Moses, how Moses led them through the Red Sea in the miracle of the parting waters. Joshua has to face this raging flood, and the only way to get, get through and away from his enemies is parting through these waters. And so they're in this moment of crisis, this moment of dependence crisis. Have you ever been in a dependence crisis? A moment where you feel like what we said is all I have is you, God. That's all I need. I need you. I need you right now. And what he says to them in the middle of this crisis is this, consecrate yourself today for tomorrow I'm going to do something amazing. And I feel like over the last three years, if you think about um, community, I feel like there's been this three years of the pandemic and now of of really consecrating our community. The word consecration is a, is a Bible word. 
Um, but it really just means being set apart, uh, to be set apart. And in your life, uh, sometimes God is not always uh, producing what you want, your dreams are on hold, but he is preparing you for something greater, right? He's preparing you in a moment. I feel like God has been doing a work in our community of preparing us for something greater, stripping us. So a lot of times consecration involves a couple of things. One, it's pruning, right? Cutting back growth that needs to be cut back. We saw that with in several ways. We saw um, people dispersed from Chicago uh, away from um, the city during the pandemic and move. Um, it, it, we, we see that in our own life with pruning, that we need to sometimes cut back things to see new growth. Uh, we've seen um, a sense of, of, of pruning in our in our uh, reach, I would say, like we've, to be honest, like we, we've, we've been growing in this season, so I do feel like God's doing something new, but over the pandemic, that was just brutal, <laughs> like that was just really hard, but to see that we're here um, points to a lot of resiliency. We saw, I mean, churches that started in Lincoln Square before us that closed, several churches, several pastors I know all across Chicago closed their doors completely. And I think there, there's no way that that could have, that has nothing to say about me. It has something to do with the strong, bind, binded relationships here. Uh, the strength of community, the strength of, of bondedness, of covenant, of love and commitment between you all that says, you know what, I ain't going nowhere. I'm still here, right? Um, and um, I love this passage here where it also says, you will then know which, do this, right? Like, let the priest kind of carry the Ark of the Covenant. And he says, you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And I think that that's just a great line of, like, where we are in our moment. We've, none of us have ever exited out of a pandemic to reenter into normalcy. We've never been this way before. And I think to ever think that we must go back to doing life or church the way we've always done it, is a fallacy and a, and a mistake. But I think in this moment, we have a moment where God intentionally sometimes breaks momentum so that when we do enter into whatever the promised land is, which is weird to say, um, mostly because American settlements misuse that scripture to conquer uh, people in a very bad way. So I don't like to use the word promised land as a pastor. <laughs> but... Whatever that end goal is that God has, destiny, if you will, your, your, the, the, the fruition of his promise, he has to break momentum so we know it is not in our own strength. Whenever God breaks momentum, it's because he's letting us know where I want to take you is not in your own strength. I'm going to do a miracle so that you know this is me at work, not, not you at work. And so consecration can be hard at times. Um, it's definitely been hard for me. Uh, there's, there's been a, a, a pruning and, and seeing new people come to know the faith. I think that's, that's true to say. There's been a pruning and, and financial provision in the church. But at the same time, God is, is saying, I think, a new stirring lately of like, I'm on the, I'm, the thing he's been whispering to my heart is, Brian, I'm on the move again. I love it. Just like, I'm, I'm on the move in hearts again. I'm ready to, to um, the community is ready to receive me afresh, receive my presence afresh. Like hearts are ready and primed uh, for, for God's love to pour out on this community so that we can be his people. Um, and so in Joshua 3 through 6, incredible reading, they, they, they have to, the River Jordan, right? They have to pass through it. They part the waters. There's the miracle of them walking through those waters. There's then the Battle of Jericho. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard of that, 
where they blow trumpets seven times, march around the walls, the walls come crumbling down. Um, he's saying this is a new time. Um, but also, like, in that time, like, a lot of those people that were crossing the river, uh, when they were crossing the river, we often think of, like, great faith. But I imagine most of those people crossing the river were um, very much, like, freaking out. Like, I don't think that they were in the moment, felt like they had faith at all. I think while they were crossing the river, they thought, I'm full of doubt. Um, and uh, I think I quoted a guy from the 70s last week who was asked, what um, about your faith? Like, what is faith? Is it in your head or heart? And, and this is, um, he said, basically, faith is not where your head is at or your heart at. It's where your, excuse me, kids, but ass is at. <laughs> it's, it's, it's where, where your body is right now. Like, you are physically embodying something. And um, I just think that that's something important to pay attention to. Like, you're here, right here in this room, and your head doesn't have to be there, and your heart doesn't have to be here, but you are here, and that is faith. And what I believe God is doing in this midst of our community is, is helping you see that, like, this has a, been a, often a community where um, it's a safe place to, to construct faith. It's a safe Often we are, I think, as a community, what God has done is if you had a, we are often the, the first entry for people exploring the faith, and we're often the place that people say, I'm thinking of leaving the faith, this is my last stop out. And it's that kind of place where people can have safety to heal from wounds in the past and be a church for the one, not the 99. That if you've been hurt by the church, you can come here and heal. If you've been ostracized by the church, you can come here and heal. And I would say that if you are here and you have been hurt by the church, Catholic, evangelical, whatever it is, you have more faith than me. Because I would not be here if that was my experience. So a lot of times we, we must see the great faith that people have to even walk into these doors again. The great faith they have to say, even though I've been maybe abused or mistreated or, tra- or traumatized, by a leader, I'm still coming into this place. So I believe God set us apart. He's setting us apart to be that kind of community, a community one where people who have never explored the faith can come and find a place to, to bring their doubts and feelings and explore. The opposite of faith is not doubt. What I, what's on my heart right now for our community is helping you really see this. The opposite of faith is certitude. I'm sorry, the opposite of doubt is certitude. Opposite of doubt is certitude. Opposite of doubt, there's this sense of like, um, in the Christian life, you want certitude. You want to know, this is what I believe. I want to hear somebody explain their beliefs very strongly and firmly. And I want, and that certitude, as you get older, and I've said this several times before, God doesn't care as much about being correct as he does you being connected. Like his heart is that you are connected to him, not certitude of beliefs. God, if he's so gracious with your sin, how much more is he going to be gracious with your theological reflections about trying to know him? You think you're going to get to heaven and he's going to be like, you tried to know me and you thought, you know, you thought this. Ridiculous. Like, no, like 
us trying to develop a theology around something or beliefs around something of who God is, if God is gracious when we willfully harm a neighbor, how much more gracious is he going to be with you trying to know who he is and what he's about? Isn't that good news? We don't have to be worried about who's correct. We don't have to focus on certitude. Yes, there's some certain things. We can focus on being embodied faith, just like these people in Joshua, moving through this river in a time of doubt. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Man, I'm walking through it. I'm, I'm here, right? Like, that's what it felt like. Um, and so I think there's some lessons in this, um, in this passage that, that come to mind for our community. The first one, also, I've kind of gotten in one just kind of thinking what's on my heart, but uh, I got ahead of myself, as preachers like to say. But our first one is, uh, our destiny is hidden in our history. Where we're headed is hidden in our history. And this is true of your individual life. It's true of a communal life. Uh, often, I, I, uh, my mentor, uh, African Methodist Episcopal preacher, Dr. Robert Smith, would often say, your greatest pain, passion comes from your greatest source of pain. I believe that is true. Your greatest passion in life comes from often your greatest source of pain, the thing you're most passionate about, the thing you advocate for. And um, that is true of this community. It's true of our life. And it's true of this community that when we look, we can learn where God is taking us, where we look of where we've been. Um, so for many of you who were not here when we first started, uh, this church community was uh, started by my wife and I. We moved here. Uh, we knew one couple when we moved here. And um, we, we began to jump into this city, and we began to just, I just began to prayer walk across all of Lincoln Square, uh, asking God for wisdom, what to do. Um, we were connected to Missio Day at large. Um, they obviously helped seated us with several people. Um, but just praying, where do I go? And I remember walking across the Chamber of Commerce uh, building, and I walked into the building, and I asked... Um, hey, I'm a pastor, we're a part of a church here, um, is there anything we can do to serve this community, serve you guys? And they're like, well, we, we kind of got off track to talking about how the Chris Kendall market moved downtown, and, and, and uh, they talked about, man, it was so fun, and now it's not here. I was like, what if we organize like, some big like, caroling thing for the neighborhood? And they're like, that would be great. And they're like, yeah, could your church do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, our church can do that. At the time, our church was me and my wife. And so we, we began to, we said, yes, we'll do that. And then I remember uh, Becca McCracken, she was the first person to say, I'll join your church. And um, lo and behold, she says, oh, me and the group of people have been caroling every year here. And so we began to gather and 100 people showed up to carol in Lincoln Square to spread the good news of Jesus. And it's stories like that because I don't, I didn't know how I was going. To, I didn't know what was going to happen, but trusting God for provision, trusting God that He's going to do something miraculous—it's a significant journey, but it's a dangerous journey. And I believe those were there was a lot of times that this church was built on sacrifice, uh, sacrifice of uh, our own story moving here, sacrificing leaving family, sacrifice of individuals that gave to us out of the blue. Like, here's a $10,000 gift. I don't even know you. I just had, a, like, a meal at Chick-fil-A with you once, and now here's $10,000. Like, crazy stuff like that to sacrifice of some of you that are still here that have been here all along and sacrificed your time. A lot of the leaders here sacrificing opening up their homes over the years, sacrificing so much. I believe God is calling us into a time 
of that communal sacrifice. And I'm not talking about sense. I'm talking about like, like just this is my community. I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Um, I think that also looks like uh, risk. Um, a lot of times I've heard uh, one pastor often say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And that, that means risk-taking. It means us taking risks to be known in a season where we were afraid to be known. It means taking risks to open up to new friends. It means taking risk of being like, I don't know what to make this person for dinner over at my house, but I'm going to look up a recipe. I don't know. I, this is kind of weird to reach out to strangers see if they want to go to lunch with me after church, but I'm going to do it. This is going to be weird to say, let's go serve the homeless together, but I'm going to reach out. Um, this is this is looks like a lot of initiating, and I love this passage here. That later on it says um, when they when they um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but like when they began to cross the river and when they marched around the city, uh, they didn't send the army out. It says, "I want the priest to go out and blow trumpets." And what I feel like God is saying in that, in the sense of, is that. Um, the work of God here in this community is not going to come from me. It's going to come from you. That the, the least expected person in this room, like God is like filling you up with faith to step up and step out. The person that's the least expected to, are being called to step in faith. Um, I, that was a very much a least, like, you're a warrior here. You're, you're, you're supposed to fight this battle. And God's like, no, I want the priests, the, 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 the ones who are like connected to me, and those who have a heart for people, I want them to step out and lead this battle. And I believe God is saying, like, you're here, and you're hungry. If you're hungry for more of God, like, this is a place to find that feeling. This community is a place to find that feeling. Um, we need new leaders in this community to step up and rise. We need a new um, leader, greater leadership team to step up alongside our elders uh, to serve. And just really, it, a lot of that just starts of, like, letting your voice be known. Being like, hey, I want to have the conversation of what does more look like. And I'm not just talking about host team, kids. That, that, that's like family chores, right? Like when we talk about serving on the host team or kids, or we're, we're a family, and there's always chores to be done in a family. I'm talking about tapping into your purpose. I'm talking about tapping into your God-ordained role in this world, not in, where we can come alongside you, equip you, and empower you to go out in the world and be that, not just you coming and being like, oh, you're an education teacher, serve the kids. Oh, you work in finance, do the budget. No, 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 no. We're talking about equipping you to send you out into the world to be the light of Jesus. So I believe God is taking people who are hungry, and he's saying, I'm stirring something in you. It's going to take the priests that are going to go out. It's going to be the people who are hungry for God that are going to lead this, not the pastor, not the leaders. It's going to come from the least expected to step up. Does that make sense? Um, and then... I believe that, that that then turns into new ministries that are coming um, from you, new ways of provision. And then I thought about uh, our, hidden, our destiny is hidden in our history. Uh, I also thought about that as true of where we live in Lincoln Square. So I got a little nerdy and began to research more of Lincoln Square's history, which I just kind of love. I did that when I first planned the church, so a lot of the sermon was getting me all back into my nostalgic vibes of 12 year, 10 years ago planting this church. And um, Lincoln Square, if you don't know, 1836, Swiss immigrant Conrad Solzer bought property, and farmers followed. They drove their produce down Old Little Fort Road, which is Lincoln Avenue, down to the market. There was a pickle factory created in 1857. I was like, oh, God, what does that mean? Okay, soak, immersion, 
Pickle, yes. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying, God? Is it pickling? Are we to start a pickling factory? Okay, what are you doing here? Um, oh, then they had a flower business. I was like, yes, flowers. Maybe there's going to be a flower market. We'll have Banksy posters all over the place, flower throwers. We're going to be a flower thrower community, right? Replace, yes, that fits in. It's, 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 it's taking weapons of war and putting flowers in people's hands. And then I love this line. And they encouraged opening of many taverns for thirsty travelers. And I was like, oh, that, 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 I just love that. I just feel like thirsty travelers is like who we are. That we are a community of venturing vagabonds. A community of misfits that are thirsty for more than what Western evangelicalism has to offer. We're a community of people who are tired of the status quo. We're a people that are tired of just coming to church and doing the game. We're t- tired of people singing and raising hands in revival without doing acts of justice. We're tired of just a white, privileged-centered evangelicalism that doesn't think through the broader ramifications of living in a city, of people just in starving deserts, food deserts, can't even go to a grocery store within half a mile. We're tired of having a faith that is in word only and not deed. Sorry. We're, we want to we be that place. I think it's so important to have a place where people can, can both revitalize their faith but also come to faith for the first time. Um, that we would have a living faith, not a concretized expression of faith. Uh, that the faith would be living, that it would, it would be so much like the early church that it wouldn't look like the Western church anymore. Something just completely different. Completely different. Um, in, in this moment where uh, they pass the Red Sea, they go through. They, 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 then, right, they march around the city blowing trumpets. And, and they blow trumpets around the city, and it's really a weird passage. And then God says, I want you to do it one more time. They do it again. And he's like, okay, I want you to blow trumpets one more time around the city. They do it again. I want you to blow trumpets again. They do it again. And then so they raise a shout, and then the walls come down. And I, th- I think about that and that our vision has never been like a strategy. It's never been like whiteboarding out a plan. It's never been a marketing scheme. It's just been o- obedience. What does it look like for us to just step into obedience to what God's calling us to do? Um, what does it look like to just have foolish obedience, even when it doesn't make sense? At times, embracing, embracing recklessness and foolishness. A time where, yes, people will doubt. Um, and, and, and then when you're walking through that, you're like, oh, man, I've got these doubts. I've got this unbelief. Why am I walking through this? But at the same time, there's raising and shouting and walls come, come crashing down. So I was thinking about that phrase, and I've, I've taught on this before, but just for this season, like, okay, well, if, for us to, if we're in a place of consecration, uh, and that God wants to do a new day, what are the walls that need to come down? What are the walls in your life that need to come down? What are the lives in all of, of us? So a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one is just, uh, I didn't know how else to put this except just self-preservation. Uh, the wall of self-preservation. The sense of um, the strength of the voice inside all of us that does, 
that protects ourselves at all costs from what we perceive as a threat, which is no threat at all. And all we all have our versions. You have yours. I have mine. But what does it mean for the wall of self-preservation to come down in us so that we can be a community of love, the beloved community that Martin Luther King talked about, the community that we see in all kinds of different expressions, but a place where I'm going to put, take my self-preservation down. I'm going to be vulnerable for, for the sake of God to be able to enter in and love me. Um, C.S. Lewis once said that you can... You can take your, your heart and lock it up in a coffin and be protected, but you'll never be loved. You'll never be known. You'll never be accepted. All right, so what does it look like for us to take our heart out of that, 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 that protection? What does it look like for us to... Um, that, that often that self-preservation results in anxiety, and we live in a very stressful city, do we not? And when that you couple self-preservation with a stressful city and work is hard... We don't get enough downtime. Sometimes there's people in the room that our levels of anxiety like did get so high that, that the enemy would love to clothe you in that anxiety that you can't, you can't function to your truest self the way he made you. So we want to pray that that sense of overwhelming self-preservation would fall down. We want to pray for you uh, in service. And um, the second wall is apathy. We want to say, look, God is real. He's proven himself faithful, true, and again. And we don't want to miss the moment of crossing the Red Sea. But we also don't want the moment of walking through being like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, we want discipleship, but we don't want discipline. We want community, but we don't want to deal with conflict. We want Christ, but we really don't want his cross. What does it look like to live a life of of removing the spiritual apathy in our lives. Now, you all, I've seen you, you're ambitious people. You don't live in Chicago this long and not be ambitious. You have a plan, you're on a trajectory, you're thinking about promotions, you're thinking about how to use your gifts. But when it comes, sometimes there's very strong ambition for your career, but little ambition to dream about the kingdom of God. And sometimes, how do we begin to break down that wall and let the wall of that, that apathy come down so that God's dreams can emerge, where godly ambition can come, where you know, there, there's a sense of, we all have a part to play in this, in this church. We all have a part to play in this community. What does it look like to, to have those dreams come alive again? To not just think of our dreams in terms of our careers, but to be thinking of God's community what does it look like to have godly ambition for God's kingdom, not just apathy in that realm? Third, third wall is isolation. I uh, talked about this, but we, there's, there's a beauty and magic, I would say almost a magic that takes place when you serve in a community with others, when you live in a community with others, and people's gifts just shine in new ways. Um, when, when, I don't know about, have you ever thought about something where you experienced that magic? right, for the first time, where it's like, man, we're a team, we're a community, this is awesome, something's happening here, where people's gifts are shining in new ways. Um, again, we, one of the losses over the last three years was just a loss of community and connection. And this is not just in the church. You still have friends that you're like, let's go hang out, and you're just like, no, let's just, nah, this is FaceTime, right? <laughs> like, you're like, let's just watch a movie on the phone together. There's this app. We'll just watch it at the same time. You push play while I push play, and we'll just watch it. 
right? That, that's, that's, if we're not that far off, like that, that's where we're, it, it, we, we are, we, we're made for community. We are social beings, social animals, social constructs of worlds that we must fight for community. So three walls, which one is speaking to you? Is it self-preservation? Is it apathy? Is it isolation? Um, praying that these walls would come down and every lie that kind of holds those walls up in your life would just come falling down this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we pray for your church, your people. I pray that you would make this make sense. I know that um, I feel a little scattered this morning, but God, I do feel like there are those, I hate to use the the word stronghold feels so super spiritual, but yeah, there just feels like sometimes on our lives like this, this, the voice, the voices in us are so strong and we do not want to let them go because they provide so much false comfort for us that if we were to let them go, we feel like our identity would just like crumble. We've built an identity of being a secure person or a, an artistic person or whatever it is that preserves us, a financially well-off person or someone with status. And God, we just pray that the walls of self-preservation would fall off of us. How great is it that we can come into a church community where someone that's a C-suite executive at a company can do life with someone who's mopping God, may, may that self-preservation at least anxiety fall. God, may your isolation come off of us. The, this, the sense of not reaching out, expecting to be reached out to, but never reaching out a hand. May you remove this sense of, of disconnection and comfort in that. God, may that just wall crumble today in your name. That we would have community with others. God, we just pray for the spirit of apathy. Just this sense of, oh, I just can't be asked. I can't be asked to do anything. I can't be asked to help. I can't, I can't put my mind and energy towards the church or towards your kingdom or towards serving the poor. I just have too much going on. God, would you break this sense of apathy where we burn ourselves out for our bosses and then we give the God who made us our love trying to make you feel guilty. I just say that because I feel like it's true of me. God, we just, we, we run our, we burn our candle down to the very last drop to where we think about our own fulfillment and we give ourselves leftovers. That we don't give ourselves what we need. We don't give our own self the sense of purpose that we are called for to give us that freedom to pursue you and your dreams. See your dreams come to reality through us. So God, break pray for many of you. Um, I'll be back in the back and some other leaders to pray. We're going to respond in a couple of ways. Um, we're going to worship. Um, we're going to come and take communion. You can take the bread that represents Jesus' body broken for us. There's wine and there's juice. You can dip it in representing God's blood shed for you. Um, so take communion, receive prayer, worship, get space, wherever you need to do. This is for you. This is a time for you to